So the last of the readings from Romans is that of Romans chapter 16. I commend you to our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Senecre. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who is the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews, who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philogus, Julia, Nursus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all of the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetite. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, Sosipater, and my fellow Jews. All right, well done, Alan. You really lucked out with the Bible reading, didn't you? No, you, you did very well with those names. <laughs> um, hi, everyone. My name's Pete Chang. If I haven't met you before, um, I'm normally kind of out making sure the, the kids um, are sorted on a Sunday morning. But yeah, it's great to be able to um, be here this morning opening up uh, Romans 16. Um, I was just reflecting recently, just on the year that we've had, you know, it's, it's coming up to Christmas, that's what you normally do, uh, and it has been a really crazy year, right? COVID has just disrupted the lives of so many of us um, in, in all different ways. Uh, we've gone from everyday normal life to just a situation of uncertainty, fear and confusion. Everything's just been flipped on its head. 
uh, and it's like life has had this hard reset. And now we're all trying to play catch up. We're trying to reequate ourselves with um, living and, and what we're supposed to be doing. So think back to those uh, very early days of lockdown. I'm thinking around the March, um, April, May period. Uh, how crazy was it? Uh, stuck at home, isolated, everything being online, Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting. Uh, it was fun for, you know, maybe a week, <laughs> but the novelty value just wore off really quickly. I think we all just miss that relational aspect to life. You know, just that interaction with others, the conversations, the laughter that we normally have, all just kind of taken away from us. You know, I remember the feeling I had after bumping into a friend of mine, uh, just as our kids played at the park. It was just as we were coming out of lockdown, and it was probably the first decent person-to-person chat that I'd had with someone outside of my immediate family, the first time in months. And I I just remember feeling uh, um, just so joyous and uplifted from that conversation. And the thing is, I wouldn't have even considered this person a good friend necessarily, just just someone that I knew that I happened to bump into, they're they're more of an acquaintance. And all we did was just catch up, uh, chat about how we'd kind of been riding out lockdown. That's all, pretty mundane stuff. But I just remember thinking, oh, wow, how good is it just to talk to someone, just to catch up with someone? And so, yeah, it really is great that restrictions have eased since then, thank God for that, and, and that they continue to ease. But COVID has affected our lives so much and continues to affect our lives really drastically. Uh, that's true of pretty much everyone in the world, but it's also true of us in the church. You know, we had rhythms in life and, and patterns of relating to one another, but we've had to reassess those rhythms and we've had to relearn certain ways of living. So the church hasn't been immune to the massive shake-up that COVID has been to our lives. You know, it, it's really great to see more and more people returning to church each week. Over the past uh, few months, time and time again, I've had that convo, hey, haven't seen you for ages, but boy, is it awesome to see you again. You know, it's great that we're slowly able to gather again as God's people. But the reality is, life really has had a hard reset. And we're all in that zone now. We're, we're all trying to figure out what that new normal is. Uh, and there's no better time for us as a church to reconsider what we're on about. Uh, that's what we're going to be considering today. As a church, what are we on about? What is it that we should focus on? What is it that we should do? Well, the first thing to say is that the church praises. Uh, So we're skipping down to verse 25 at this point. Uh, Verse 25 of Romans 16. 
Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith, to the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. As Christians, we've got so many reasons to praise God. For one, we've got the gospel. We've got the good news about Jesus. Uh, In Romans, hasn't Paul just been on and on about the good news of Jesus? I'm not sure about you, but if you can think back to those early chapters in Romans, it felt like a complete onslaught. Uh, Chapters 1 to 3, Paul just laid it out there. There's there's absolutely no one good enough for God. We've all rejected him and are all truly deserving of his punishment. In our growth groups, I think we had about three weeks uh, looking at those early chapters uh, of Romans. Time and time again, just kept getting slammed. The reality is before a holy and perfect God, we are not worthy we are rightfully condemned before him. But it's within this bleak and depressing situation that God sends his son into our world for us. When we were hopeless, God sent his son to be our hope. As he dies in our place, we receive forgiveness and new life. Surely that's cause for praise. Remember, this gospel was once hidden, but has now been revealed. Uh, And this is especially true of us Gentiles, anyone that's not a Jew. Not only were we distant from God because of our sin, but we were distant from God because we weren't his chosen people. But in Jesus, God accepts all who put their trust in him. Now, a couple of years ago, uh, a French newspaper recorded... Um, that this man had won the lottery not only once but twice and he did that within this 18-month period. And each time he did that, he picked up a million euros. So that's quite a bit of cash. Uh, A maths professor, they they calculated the odds of this happening um, to be this number here. I think that's one in 1.5 trillion, I think. Uh, Let's just say they're really, really long odds, right? But here's the thing, haven't we done better than that? See, who here would take two million euro over forgiveness from God? Look, I'll be honest, it's it's a lot of money. Um, There's plenty that I could do that I could think of doing with two million euro. But truthfully, what we have in Jesus far outweighs even a double lotto win. In Jesus... We are so far blessed that millions in cash do not compare with the blessings that we have in Christ. Let us praise God for what he's done for us and who he's made us to be. So how then do we actually praise God? Well, I think for many of us, our minds will naturally go to praising God in song. And yes, corporate praise to God is is definitely a proper Um, expression of our praise to him. 
You know, I really love that um, when we're able to sing, that it's both a personal act, kind of between me and God, uh, but also this corporate act that we get to do with one another. We get to encourage one another and spur one another on as we join in song together. Now, obviously, that's been hampered quite a bit by COVID. Um, you know, we've been doing this thing for months now, and it, and it still seems weird uh, not being able to sing together. I, I just keep having to catch myself not being able to sing out loud. <laughs> it seems like such a natural thing uh, for Christians to do when we gather, and so to have that taken away from us is really difficult. And I know many of you have expressed similar frustrations at not being able to sing together. But let's hold on to that frustration so, so when we can sing again, and hopefully that's sooner rather than later, like Alan and others said, that there's been some really positive announcements made even just this past week. With that frustration, let's hold on to it um, so that when we can sing again, let's do so with gusto, wholeheartedly, just knowing the joy and privilege it is to sing together. But praising God in song, it isn't the only way that we praise God. How else might we do it? Well, speech is a big one. We've got this mystery that's been hidden and has now been revealed. A mystery which speaks of love, redemption, salvation and forgiveness. You know, when we sing someone's praises, we speak well of them because it's clear that there's something worth saying about that other person. We, we praise and speak well of things that matter to us, things that we're proud of. You know, people go on and on about their favourite sporting teams. I've kind of been guilty of that in the past. Uh, at this time of year, you get lots of praises from parents um, about how well their kids have done kind of academically on the sporting field or how they've reached that certain milestone. It's almost automatic. You, you don't need to tell a parent or a supporter to sing their kids or their team's praises. They just do it as an overflow of their commitment and pride. So let us sing God's praises literally, but also in all circumstances. Let our speech about God be an overflow of the worth and value that we place on Him. And the thing is, if God is everything to us, then speaking of His goodness and His wonder and His glory should almost be automatic. All right, what else does the church do? Well, it greets. Uh, hopefully you picked that up from, from the reading. Um, Paul's command to greet um, those in the church of Rome, uh, it just keeps coming up over and over again. Uh, the church of God ought to greet one another. It, if anything uh, is clear, then you can get that from Romans 16. But the thing is, how, how do we greet one another during a pandemic? I must say, I've had plenty of awkward moments uh, over the recent months. I think the most natural way for us Aussies uh, to greet one another is with a you know, good old handshake, right? And you know, if you're a certain individual, then maybe, maybe the hug is the way to go. Uh, but yeah, during COVID, there's been plenty of times when it's been like, oh, you know, do I, do I go in for the handshake? Nah, maybe, 
Maybe the fist bump would be better. Oh, no, let's just stick with the elbow bump. Um, That's probably safer. Plenty of awkward moments that I've experienced. Uh, And then, yeah, in verse 16 of chapter 16, um, Paul speaks about greeting one another with a holy kiss. I'm not even going to go there because who knows how you apply that during a pandemic. Um, The thing is, though, even in non-COVID times, there's more to greeting someone than, than just a handshake or a hug. You know, Paul doesn't spell out in too much detail how the Roman Christians were to greet these friends of his. What is clear, though, is that he had in mind much more than a gentle, oh, hey, how are you going? Oh, yeah, good, good, okay, catch you later. Look at what he says to Phoebe in verses 1 and 2. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Sancreia. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. How are the Roman Christians to treat Phoebe? They are to receive her in the Lord. They are to welcome her. They are to accept her as a fellow disciple of Jesus, equally loved, equally forgiven. They are to give her any help that she needs, not because she's a bludger, but because that's what God's people do. And that's exactly what she did for Paul and others like him in their missionary journeys. Phoebe is to be welcomed, taken in, helped in any way possible. Um, This is how the church is to greet her because this is how the church of God operates. As we read through the list um, list of names, Paul tells us the Roman Christians are to greet you get the real sense of a team at work. You know, I think sometimes we can be fooled into thinking that Paul operated as somewhat as a lone ranger in ministry. But you read Romans 16 and it's clear that there's this big team behind him. It's no one-man band. It's the people of God seeking to live for the glory of God by making his name known to the nations. In Romans 12, Paul has already spoken about the church being a body. So this body is comprised of many parts, um, each with different functions. Uh, We all do different things, but all are equally important. We have different roles to play, but we belong to one another and exist to build one another up. And it's no different for us here at the Lakes. We're a team committed to making God known throughout the whole world, but especially here on the Central Coast. We're all different, but we've all got a role to play. Wonder what role you can play, how you can get on board with the mission of God here at the Lakes. We're a body, remember? Everyone's got a role to play. You know, if you're unsure how that might play out for yourself, no worries, chat to your growth group leader, chat to one of the staff. I'm sure we'd be able to point you in the right direction. Okay, what else can we say about the church? Well, looking at that list of names in, in chapter 16, you've got to say that it's diverse. 
one of the th- first things that you notice from that list of names is the number of women that are listed there. Now, that normally wouldn't be something to draw attention to, but remember, this is first century Palestine. In that context, women didn't have the equality of rights that they enjoy today. Um, what's more, this is the Apostle Paul that we're talking about. Now, it's often been claimed about Paul that he was someone that didn't like women, maybe that he was even a woman hater. And I think this accusation is directed at Paul mainly because of his teaching about the role of women in church. So passages like 1 Timothy 2, uh, 1 Corinthians 14 come to mind. But whatever you make of those passages, and we don't really have time right now to dwell on them, it's clear from a reading of Romans chapter 16 that Paul was no woman hater. Indeed, he considered them an integral part of the mission of God. So Phoebe, who we met earlier, we're told that she had a significant leadership role in the church in Sancria. She wasn't just one of many, but she was considered a deacon or a leader in that church. She offered aid to Paul and other travellers. This would have included financial support. You know, she supported Paul with a wallet. Why would you do that for a woman hater? Priscilla and Aquila, that husband and wife dynamic duo, not only were they considered co-workers with Paul, but we're told that they risked their lives for his sake. That, that phrase there, literally it means they risked their necks. You know, why would you put your neck on the chopping block for a woman hater? You just wouldn't. Mary, as well as Tryphena and Tryphosa, were told that they worked hard for the Lord. Paul acknowledges their hard work. Andronicus and Junia, likely another husband and wife team, they were fellow prisoners with Paul at one time. Paul, a woman hater? I just don't see it. Rufus' mum, we're told, was like a mother to him. It's clear that Paul was no woman hater. In fact, women were an integral part of his mission and the church that he sought to establish. I would go so far as to say that Paul was actually ahead of his time when it came to gender equality. See, the women of Paul's time had significant roles within the church. Some were leaders, others were co-workers on equal footing with him. And many, many others made sacrifices for him and for the mission of God. They were a key and critical part of Team Jesus. You know, I love that here at the Lakes, we have so many women around. Uh, Not only that, but women who are in significant leadership roles. You know, we've got women leading music, meeting leading, growth group leaders, kids church teachers, scripture teachers, youth group leaders, mentoring and discipling others, the list could go on and on. Now, diversity, it isn't just related to gender. In the Roman church, another big one would have been that Jew-Gentile divide. Um, Paul's um, dealt with those issues a lot in the previous chapters of Romans. But scanning that list of names once again, and it becomes clear that both Jew and Gentile form part of the church in Rome. 
digging a little further into the list, and it becomes apparent that some were slaves or former slaves, whereas others were free persons. And we can tell that by their names, but also by their designation as belonging to certain households. You know, there's rich people, there's poor people, there's people who have been Christians for a long time, uh, and then those who have been less so. And we get all that just from the list of people that Paul names. Presumably, there was even greater diversity within the Roman church. You know, I remember a conversation I had with Dave when I was considering taking on this role at the Lakes. Uh, This was eight years back. So when we were talking, um, he told me that the Lakes had this Chinese ministry. And when he said that, I was like, nah, (laughs) no way. You've got to be pulling my leg. As if there'd be a Chinese ministry on the white Anglo-dominated central coast. I was thinking, you know, maybe he's trying to make me feel better because, yes, I am Chinese after all. Anyway, it turns out Dave wasn't lying. There are indeed Chinese and other ethnicities um, on the Central Coast. Um, So I'm really excited to know and be a part of this thriving Chinese ministry that we have here at the Lakes. What would Paul say to the Chinese or about the Chinese? Greet them, he would say. Welcome them. They are a part of the church of God and they are a key part of the Lakes Church. Hey, who here has travelled on the M1 on a weekday around about kind of 5 or 6 a.m. in the morning? A few people? Okay, I'm going to assume that you've experienced the same feeling that I've had. You know that feeling? You're, you're, doing, you're sitting on 110 but it feels like you're going 50. You've experienced that, right? Um, And you know what that is? It's called tradie rush hour. Um, Utes and vans just flying along in that right lane one after another. Um, Because the reality is there's tons of tradies on the Central Coast. So at the lakes, you would expect to see tradies here because they are a big part of our community. And I'm glad to say that there are plenty of tradies here at the lakes because like any other group, tradies are loved and forgiven by God and have a role to play in the church. Okay, the last thing to say about the church is that it's committed to the truth. We see this in verse 16 and 17. Now, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause dissensions and obstacles contrary to the doctrine you have learned. Avoid them, for such people do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting with smooth talk and flattering words. Truth matters to Paul. He wants the Roman Christians to be sure on the truth of the gospel so that they can discern the lies and deceptions of those who teach what is contrary to the true gospel. Paul here, he doesn't really identify who the false teachers are, but instead he characterizes them so that God's people would be able to spot them. So these are the traits of the false teachers. They're divisive. They seek to create alliances and thus cause splits within the church. They cause tension and trouble 
so as to distract us from the goal of praising God and causing, calling others to do likewise. They're self-seeking uh, and concerned only for their own welfare. Be on the lookout for people like this. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. False teachers are persuasive. When Paul says that they use smooth talk and flattery, he's not saying they're like the used car salesman that you can spot a mile away. No, the smooth talk and flattery here is of a persuasive kind. We must be alert to false teaching infiltrating the church. You know, Paul goes pretty hard against false teachers by calling on God's people to disassociate from them. I think the reason why he goes so hard on them is because of the devastating effects that false teachers can have on the people of God. There's a correlation there, isn't there? As, as a false uh, gospel is taught and proliferated, it creates a bit of a stumbling block for some, which in turn can lead to their destruction. You know, we need to be good at spotting false teachers. And the best way at spotting falsehoods is knowing the truth of the gospel really well. You know, it takes a brave pastor to tackle the letter of Romans at the best of times, uh, but to do it during a pandemic, Dave, what were you thinking? <laughs> but, you know, I, I actually am really glad um, that we've been able to go through Romans this year. Um, I've always loved the book of Romans. It's, it's the one where all my um, memory verses and favourite verses of the Bible come from. It's got such deep and profound theological reflections. It, it's surely Paul's great masterpiece. You know, our, our growth groups this year, they've been really hard work, but they've been so rewarding at the same time. But as I've digested Romans chapter 16 more and more, I think I've learned to love Romans for slightly different reasons. You know, I think the reason why Paul ends his great work on theology with this very practical down-to-earth chapter like we find in chapter 16, is because he expects deep theology to find practical expression within the life of the church. So we don't just think God, but we live God. Indeed, we think God to live God. And one of the truest ways that we can live for God happens when we live it out in the life of the church. So we need to be a church that praises both corporately as well as individually. We need to be a church that greets and welcomes and is hospitable to one another. We need to be a church that is diverse because the gospel is freely given to all peoples. And lastly, we need to be a church that's concerned for the truth of the gospel because in the gospel, true unity is found. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity that we've had this year to go through the book of Romans. Um, yeah, we just pray that it would, be, would have been a really encouraging and edifying experience for all of us. Um, Father, as a church, um, yeah, we want to display uh, those things. We want to be a church that praises you uh, both corporately and individually. We want to be a church which greets one another 
um, all comers really well. We want to be a, a diverse church which matches um, the demographics of our community. And Lord, help us be a church that is on about the truth of the gospel. Protect us from false teachers that we might live wholeheartedly for you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.